Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. In the name of Jesus Christ, may in this place be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, phobia, depression, destruction, stagnancy, ignorance, all of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented in your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to guide it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. You may be seated. Allow me to pass on a wholehearted greeting from Pastor Arkady, all those who are part of the narrow gate and who are a member of the body of Christ, the chosen by God remnant, the bride of the Lamb, the virtuous wife. And this will be presented in the Revelation. We will be studying our inheritance that is in Jesus Christ, the book of Luke twenty four forty four. Then Jesus said to his disciples, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the Law of Moses, the Prophets, and the Psalms. Luke twenty four forty four. After these words, he had lifted up his hands and began to bless them, and he began to rise from their sight into heaven. The disciples then returned to Jerusalem and the scripture said they had great joy. Great joy because all has been fulfilled about Christ. All has been done and all will be fulfilled for those who are in Christ. Nothing will pass by from the law in the prophets, the Psalms, until every single thing is fulfilled for every member who is part of the body, part of the narrow gate, so that we as the participants of the body of Christ would share together with Christ the fulfillment of all that is written about Him in Scripture, we will continue to study our collaboration with the truth of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit who reveals the truth in the heart what we need to do from our side so that we can receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so that we can clothe our bodies into a new way of life. It is necessary to receive anointing. The right to the power is anointing of a prophet, a priest, and a king. 
And so when a person has this anointing that was upon David, upon our Lord Jesus Christ, upon Moses, and upon other men anointed by God, that today is also upon our apostle today. This is the anointing that gives us the right to the power to put off our former way of life so we can clothe our body into a new way of life. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful lusts, to be made new by the spirit of your mind, and to, to put on the new self created by God in true righteousness and holiness. And to fulfill this decreeing commandment, we need to put three destiny-impacting, commanding, and fundamental acts into practice. These are put off, be renewed, and put on. Fulfilling these three destiny-impacting, commanding, and fundamental requirements will determine whether we transform ourselves into vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath. Our uh, behavior toward the word, the word of putting off, uh, renewing, and putting on, and this will determine whether we are in the category of vessels of wrath or vessels of mercy. And so, you need to determine for yourself how you perceive these words. Or more specifically, will our salvation happen that is given to us in the format of a seed, identifying the deposit of our justification in the given to us salvation, where we need to turn the three above-mentioned acts into profit within the death of our Lord Jesus, so that our salvation can become our possession in the format of the fruit of righteousness. Otherwise, we will forever lose the justification that is given to us in the format of a deposit, which is why our names, which were written into the book of life when we made a covenant with God in the format of the given to us guarantee, will forever be blotted out of the book of life. And in a specific format, we already looked at the process contained in the first two requirements that is uh, put off, be renewed, and have been studying the process of the third requirement specifically. What conditions do we need to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind, we can begin the process of clothing ourselves into the power of the glory of our new person who is created according to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth? What conditions we need to fulfill? What specific price is required relevant to this we stopped to study apostle paul and us together stopped to study the allegory contained in the 18th psalm of david apostle the apostle and us <clears throat> we have been studying the allegory contained in the 18th psalm of david where the holy spirit with the wisdom and authority that he alone has reveals the demands according to which we are called to collaborate our faith prayer with the name of god el elyon or god most high and this condition consists in us calling upon the Most Highest to our God, and our God and proclaiming the faith of our heart when we are in the circumstances of our t- tight situation, casting off the old man, we call upon him stating who God is to us in Jesus Christ, what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, who we are to God in Jesus Christ, and what do we need to do so that we can inherit all that God has done for us in Jesus Christ. We note that the given allegory is one of the most powerful and voluminous examples demonstrating the collaboration of our renewed mind as King David and the name of God Most High and their violent conflict with our carnal mind in the form of King Saul and also with governing sin, who is our old person with his deeds, who is the Amalekite king. 
In its character, the prayer psalm of David contains three parts where we see demonstrated an example of the character of our legitimate prayer belonging to kings, priests, and prophets, to us as kings, priests, and prophets. First part identifies the state of the heart of David as a warrior in prayer, which is the required basis for the legitimate status of his prayer belonging to kings, priests, and prophets. The state of the heart of David all begins with the altar, the altar, any prayer, God first looks at Abel and then his offering, uh, upon Cain and then his offering, and God did not accept the offering of Cain. And his uh, his countenance was, was uh, lowered and he was not happy. Everything starts with the altar, with the motives of our heart, not attractive words or phrasing we may have. You may have uh, uh, nice words or phrasing that you may state to God, compliments and so forth, but He is God. You can't convince Him in this way. Everything starts with the motives first. And the second part opens up the consistency of legitimate prayer itself, which belongs to kings, priests, and prophets, which gives God the proper basis to deliver us in the image of David from the hands of all of our enemies. The second part opens up the, the legitimate prayer itself. Here we are looking at the offering. The third part illustrates the prayer battle itself. This prayer battle, in its, it's in an epic way which is beyond the limitation of the typical human mind of man. This third part, if you have an altar, you have an offering, and now you begin to bring this offering. And it's an epic prayer battle with God being on your side against the enemy that confronts us and stands in our way of fulfilling God's will. In a specific format, we already looked at the first part and, st and stopped to look at the second part, which opens up the consistency of legitimate prayer in the eight names of God Most High. Getting to know and confessing the power that is contained in the heart of David, consisting of the eight names of God, allowed David to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised so that he can be saved from his enemies. And God getting to know and confessing the truth that opens up the power of his names within the heart of David provided God with the legitimate basis to use the power contained in the capabilities of his names in battle against the enemies of David. Everything that we're studying, we're studying these things not so that we irritate the enemy with these names, but to uh, activate God so that the, the might and strength that's in his name would be activated. May the Lord show himself, his, his power. I won't just uh, irritate the enemy. The enemy needs to be destroyed and with such a strike that one strike would be able to destroy all of them. To show the true might of the Lord so that that the Lord himself uh, cast the stones upon our enemies when we are singing. One of the greatest battles uh, that ever was, the priest began to praise God and the Lord began to throw stones from heaven. In another place, they also turned to God and they began to seek God and pray to God and their, uh, the enemies began to Ha they, they, there was a conflict between the enemies themselves and they self-destroyed 
this says what? That what we right now are studying, we're studying for one purpose, and that is to uh, present God. And not just to boast or to irritate. This is to utilize his might, his strength against our enemies, the old man, and the fallen cherubim, and all those demonic powers that may also be with him, the lawless and wicked people as well. Psalm 18, 1 through 4. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord, who is worthy of praise. And I have been saved from my enemies. And let us together proclaim the eight names of God, God's virtues. Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are my rock in whom I take refuge. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. Lord, you are my stronghold. May the Lord hear all of these names and may he uh, confirm them within our heart and make us worthy of these names. In a specific format, we already looked at our inherited lot in Jesus Christ, studying the power of the first six names of God and stopped to study the seventh name of God, the horn of our salvation. We have proclaimed that, Lord, you are the horn of my salvation, the mighty power and authority of God in his glorious name, Horn, includes these. It is the sacral work that is being done in the temple of our body. We need to understand that every time we utilize God's names, and in the given context, this is the Lord, you are the horn of our salvation, then this will be uh, activated within the boundaries of our body. God wants to destroy all enemies. How? With God's horn, which is the might and strength of Holy Yahweh within ourselves, within our bodies. In the spirit, you don't need to overcome anyone. The 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 soul is uh, being renewed, and so our body. Someone does not want to give up our body, and there's no way to make any sort of. Uh, no, there's no uh, compromise or negotiation. And so there is actually no compromise or negotiation that is possible for him to actually leave our body because he wants to sit at the north side. He wants to, Lucifer, he, want, he wants that seat to that uh, throne. And we need a complete and total war and someone will come out to be a loser and someone will be come out to be a winner. The name of God, Horn, is the non-diminishing, unsearchable nature of the power of God and His strength. It is the eternal and unquestionable power of God over the living and dead. We're talking about what a horn of God is, what kind of power and might. It is the power of the might of God to keep those that are condemned to death. The power of the might of God showing that death is unavoidable. 
the power of the might of God to perform judgment and righteousness by his servants, the power of the might of God to demonstrate his wrath over the vessels of wrath, and his mercy over the vessels of mercy. This All, all these things God does uh, using his name, Horn. The power of the might of God to sow and gather what was sown. The power of the might of God to split and to separate. The power of the might of God to destroy and to construct. The power of, the, of God to restore what is destroyed. The power of the might of God to blot out the sins of his nation. The power of the might of God to perform signs and miracles. And the power of the might of God to blot out of the na- out of the book of life the names of sinners. Everything, all of these things, the name of God horn does. In scripture, the name of God in the functioning meaning horn is used as a symbol of might and strength, which is military weaponry or armor for those that have the rank of warriors in prayer. This is only, again, for warriors in prayer, and it is their military weaponry or armor. With this name, we don't just irritate, we lift God up and magnify Him, and in this way He allows His might and strength to be shown uh, against our enemies. And as warriors in prayer, we are called to clothe ourselves in the given function of might so that we can successfully resist the organized powers of darkness who resist us or get in our way of fulfilling the will of God, both within our body as well as out of our body. As it is written, Ephesians 6.10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. To be strong in the Lord and the power of His might is not possible to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might if we don't have the name of God horn, if we don't grow this horn in ourselves until the Lord uh, erects our own horn in us. We read about how Zechariah prays about Jesus Christ, the father of John the Baptist. He says the Lord has exalted the horn in the house of David means he grew him. He bore him and he grew him. And if you pay attention, until 30 years, he did not go out to do any form of service, Jesus. He needed to demonstrate before the Father proved that he has grown in the format of fruit, this horn, the might and strength. We see that at 12 years old, he was in the temple, but he was not able to uh, yet uh, do many of these things because it's as if little bumps appeared, but the horn has not yet been grown. He still needed to go back and submit to his parents until he grew this horn in the form of the fruit of the Spirit. And the Lord said, when I see your your horn, my son, then it will be able to collaborate with my might and strength. And Jesus, until he was 30 years old, continued to be humble and uh and and he came out to serve when the Lord gave him permission. And he will never allow anyone who, uh, just anyone to go out to service like Satan, but he will only do so if seeing himself within the individual or the person that he's sending. We needed to look at and study four classical questions in what works signs and symbols do we see demonstrated the characteristics and qualities that the scriptures ascribe the virtue of God in the functioning meaning of his name horn what functions in our relationship with God 
are the qualities contained in the name of God horn called to fulfill? What conditions do we need to fulfill so that we can provide God with legitimate grounds upon which to show himself in the accomplishment of our salvation in the function of the name of God horn? And by what signs do we examine ourselves as to whether God abides within our heart in the function of his name horn and that we are clothed into the virtue of his name horn? We already studied uh, together with the Apostles the first question in eight of its components and stop to study question two. And second, the second question is, what functions in our relationship with God are the qualities contained in the name of God horn called to fulfill? Studying the power of the first function in the purpose of the might of God within our heart in the virtue of the name of God horn, we stopped on the sixth component in applying the blood of the sacrifice with our finger upon the horns of the bronze altar when dedicating ourselves as a priest to God, called to cleanse us from the leprosy of our body, our clothing, and our house. And so this cleansing, this process of cleansing happens by applying or sprinkling the blood, the blood that uh, was applied by the finger of the high priest. When a person was dedicated as a high priest, dedicated himself as a high priest, he was able to sprinkle with his finger blood upon the four horns of the bronze altar. And this included also uh, how we, in sprinkling of the blood upon these horns, how we can be cleansed from leprosy of our body, clothing, and our house. Speaking of these four bronze horns, we need to not just have this bronze, we need to remember, but also this gold and golden altar of incense that was right before the Holy of Holies, before the Ark, in the holy place in the temple. So to be able to get to it, you need to first approach the bronze altar. And approaching the, the bronze altar, we see that we die for something and the golden altar when you approach it then you live for someone and so you sanctify yourself and then you dedicate yourself you give yourself to someone uh, in this situation to the Lord of course and having this bronze uh, you also need to have this gold we remember how the bronze altar appeared it was first made of of uh, a cover overlaid with bronze and it had four bronze horns upon the corners and this means that every time we judge ourselves we need to judge ourselves in accordance to these four horns the four teachings the elementary teachings of Jesus Christ and when we begin to study the golden altar of incense then we will uh, study justification and justification uh, based on the four horns of the golden altar, we just uh, we condemn ourselves or just uh, judge ourselves, and then we justify ourselves. The difference between the old and new testament uh, is that there was a curtain between the bronze altar and the golden altar. A person came and repented, and. 
And so this person would, and so the, uh, the, they would come in, the priest would come in, they would repent, they would uh, pretty much lay out all the sins, and then uh, after a year, they were able to come in and do this again. Uh, but And the Lord uh, would not hear them himself directly, the people that would come to repent. In the New Testament, if you know, the curtain was torn in two. And access was opened to the golden altar from the bronze altar you can now pass over and walk over to the golden altar you can uh, confess your sins uh, you can and you can restore your relationship with God and you could you could rise up repent and continue to communicate with God uh, there's an con, con, there's a constant uh, way or access to to the golden altar now in the New Testament in the format of the service of justification we still have the bronze altar justification is not just I didn't do anything it was not me the service of justification is when we uh, condemn ourselves we 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 and in the Old Testament uh, a, a Jew would repent but they wouldn't be able to speak to the Lord and they would confess all their sins only once a year they would come there in the Old Testament they would lay all of this upon the altar the priest would sprinkle with his blood and would proclaim the person as clean and then uh, they would go back into uh, to live their lives they would commit sins but they wouldn't be able to come back in for another year and so this altar had uh, was five cubits wide and five cubits long and was three cubits high and the three cubits as we know this altar needs to be in us it's our spirit soul and body and that we need within our essence to build this bronze altar and its width and length which were five cubits means we need to acknowledge the fivefold service God's order within the body of Christ someone may say I'm in the church we have apostles teachers evangelists I have a bronze altar that's not how you examine this you examine whether you have a bronze altar uh, by determining whether it's in your heart <clears throat> is the elementary teaching of Jesus Christ within your heart our conscience first needs to be cleansed from dead works and then you need to put in the elementary teaching of Jesus Christ and with this elementary teaching you renew your mind and after you renew your mind you begin to confess the Word of God and the Lord says this person has an apostle he sees that this person has a prophet a prophet is a person who can speak with God whom God listens to and who and and that he and he hears God he hears God God hears him and so when you come to the church as we know you come uh, and you prepare yourself to hear the word rather than to sacrifice and when you come to uh, first to hear that means you acknowledge you have a prophet how do you determine you have a teacher we need to teach ourselves as you as there as you know within uh, when Jesus said why do you uh, notice the speck in your brother's eye but don't notice the plank that's in your own eye uh, you don't teach others but teach yourself instead an evangelist how do you know if you have an evangelist 
that you can examine this as to whether you're a light. You are a light to the world, the scriptures say. Can a city on a hill be covered? Or who, lighting a candle in a house, they uh, covers it up. They open it, they place it upon a lampstand so that they can light, uh, provide light to the whole household. We're not called in our house or in the church to be a large projector. We are called to be a projector for the uh, for the world, for the lawless, the wicked, and the world, so they see it visibly. But in your house, as a uh, as a father, a mother, a husband, a wife, uh, you are called to be a candle and and a flickering candle. This is a good quality to have, not to be a projector, but and in the presence of God. And this means, this signifies you have an evangelist and a pastor. Here, of course, you need to tend the flocks of your father. This is all the fivefold service. If it is within the church, it is also present or existent within my body. And when we have upon our stage a list, we're going to pray for our teachers, our apostles, our evangelists. This is all good. But it's better to have them within your heart <clears throat> and to determine that you have them, that they're present there. Let us go back to what we've been studying. The purpose of the bronze altar uh, upon which the uh, blood was applied upon the four horns was called to cleanse us from the leprosy of our body, our clothing, and our house. Leprosy itself, in the midst of the chosen by God, by God nation, is an ulcer that can appear upon the body of a person or upon his clothing or his house, which in scripture is presented as vengeance for sin, the sin of the arrogance of the human mind that resists God and has the audacity to fulfill a function that does not belong to him. Every time when we have the audacity to fulfill a function that does not belong to us, we open ourselves up to the leprosy of sin. In the Church of Saints, this applies to the helpers of the apostles attempting to fulfill the function and role of the planter. In a marital union, <clears throat> this belongs to wives when they do to their controlling spirit, which is in the likeness of any carnal person, instead of fulfilling the role of the administrator or operator within the house, they uh, dare to take on the role of the husband which promotes mutual suffering as well as husbands when they do to their controlling spirit which is in the likeness of any carnal person instead of taking on the responsibility or responsible role within the household taking the fault or guilt of the household upon themselves they dare fulfill the role of the wife which promotes mutual suffering <clears throat> and so they suffer why because they control one the other the wives control, they take on the role of the husband, and husbands control when they take on the role of the wife. It's very interesting. And so, uh, some may say, well, I allow my wife to do whatever she wants. What control is there? When a husband is trying to control his wife, uh, acting as if he's just a soft sheep and uh, uh, 
but in reality, he's really playing or uh, laying on the responsibilities upon her. Uh, everyone, each one needs to know their own uh, part, their own responsibility. Regarding people that will end up leprous in Israel, God gave the command that their clothing be torn up, their head not be covered, and he needs to cover the area of his mouth and cry out, unclean, unclean, and he needs to live alone and live outside of the camp. Let's read this place of scripture, Leviticus 13, 45-46. Now the leper on whom the sore is, his clothes shall be torn and his head bare. He shall cover his mustache and cry, unclean, unclean. He shall be unclean all the days. He has the sore. He shall be unclean. He is unclean, and he shall dwell alone. His dwelling shall be outside of the camp. Clothing that is torn up symbolizes the righteousness that man lost. A head that is uncovered symbolizes a lost image of him not acknowledging the delegated authority of God over himself, covering the area of his mouth with the material from his clothes that had been torn up, his mouth which the leprous one needed to use to shout or cry out unclean, unclean, represents an undisciplined mouth of a man or the lost image of a meek or gentle tongue. How do you determine that you're leprous? You have lost your righteousness. If you're searching for lep- uh, leprosy, he has lost his righteousness. He has no. He no longer acknowledges the delegated authority of God over himself, and he does not have a gentle or meek mouth. When these three righteousness, God's delegated authority, acknowledging them and losing a gentle or meek tongue, God sees, looks at this person and sees them as uh, spiritually leprous. To live alone outside of the camp of the nation is a symbol of a person who is excommunicated from the church or excommunicated from the body of Christ, although formally he is a member of the church. We could say this one more time. Not all people that are formally in the church are members of the church. God does the work if if someone needs to be excommunicated if a person loses his righteousness if he does he no longer acknowledges god's delegated authority if a person no longer has a gentle or meek mouth this person is excommunicated from the body or the church uh, in god's eyes within the body of christ or within jesus christ these three which are plagued with the leprosy of sin are presented together as one whole identified within three functions Therefore, leprosy, which has plagued one of the three areas, immediately spreads to all three areas. Therefore, we need to identify the essence of these three areas within our own essence, which makes themselves known in the New Testament by those who were plagued. We have been studying leprosy, able to plague the body of the Israelites in the essence of the function of justification given to us by the grace of God in Jesus Christ, which, dependent upon us reasons, is able to end up as a plague of the leprosy of sin. Our skin, or our justification, is able to be leprous uh, with sin. We have been studying leprosy, able to plague the garments of the Israelites as the function of the fruit of righteousness within our essence, grown by us from the seed of justification, which dependent upon us reasons is able to end up as a plague of the leprosy of sin. 
not just justification our skin, but also our garments, the fruits of righteousness, which covers our skin. Righteousness, or when we perform righteousness, it also is able to be plagued with the leprosy of sin. We have been studying the symbol of leprosy, able to plague the houses of Israel, as our partaking to the body of Christ within our essence, which dependent upon us reasons, is also able to end up as a plague of the leprosy of sin, or is able to, to be plagued with the leprosy of sin. According to, to the medical reference books, leprosy is a lepermitis uh, Hansen's disease, is the name of it also. It has multiple names, Fe- uh, Phoenician disease, uh, leprothin. It is an illness which is a... Con- accompanied by infectious uh, by infection upon the mucous membranes of the skin and inner organs. Leprosy comes about directly because of leprous mycobacterium, which can plague the upper respiratory tract as well as the nervous system. The reason for the coming about of the leprosy can be due to dirty water, insanitary conditions of living, or the bad state of the immune system, immune deficiency, which is AIDS, or oncological disease. Symbolically, all of these reasons are the result of our undisciplined tongue. And so all of these spiritual oncological diseases are because of our undisciplined tongue, not humbled tongue. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase <clears throat> to more ungodliness, and their message will spread like cancer. Second Timothy 2, 16, 17. <clears throat> We can conclude that symbolically fellowship with people who are carriers of mycobacterium leprosy in the form of evil company will infect us and will will corrupt our good habits. <clears throat> First Corinthians 15:33-34 Do not be deceived evil company corrupts good habits awake to righteousness and do not sin for some do not have the knowledge of God I speak this to your shame. Understandably, it is important for us to not only identify leprosy in these three areas, but even more important to specify the condition that when fulfilled will allow us to heal from the existing leprosy in these three areas. Our skin, our clothing, and our houses. Studying the question, for what reasons is the received by us justification able to be plagued with the leprosy of sin? Our skin, our justification, for what reason was it able to be plagued with the leprosy of sin and what do we need to do to be healed from such a nature of leprosy? We came to the conclusion that our justification received by us by the gift of the grace of God in Jesus Christ is able to be plagued with the leprosy of sin when we refuse the given to us justification by faith in Jesus Christ and attempt rather with deeds or personal good works done by us in our service to God to again obtain justification. First, to be healed from such a nature of leprosy, it is necessary for us to reject the concept of good works coming from the thoughts of our carnal mind. Doing so will allow us to restore the given to us justification in the redeeming sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And secondary, it is necessary to break all ties or relationships with people who continue with their own personal righteousness, rejecting the righteousness given to them by God freely by faith in Jesus Christ. Galatians 5, 4, 5, you have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. For we, though, for we, though the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Galatians 5, 4, 5. 
<clears throat> this is how our skin or our righteousness is able to be plagued with spiritual leprosy. All is within the unique word concept, and we're able to receive this concept if we continue to have fellowship with corrupt company, evil company. These are not just people who drink or, or do other immoral things. Evil company are people who are attempting to justify themselves by the law. This is where this leprosy forms. People who attempt to justify themselves by the law. We need to do something to become righteous. We need to do... <clears throat> we need to be born from God and receive justification by grace freely. And by receiving justification by grace freely, we need to proclaim the not existent as existent. Because to uh, come from... Uh, justification to righteousness is not possible. We receive justification freely, <clears throat> and the scriptures say, call, proclaim the not existent as existent. Why? Because uh, we need to say that in Jesus Christ I am righteous, and when we proclaim the not existent as existent, then the Lord accounts this to us as righteousness. <clears throat> And possessing this righteousness as a form of, of a guarantee, in the format of a guarantee, we need to produce fruit so that we completely uh, own that righteousness which we've received. You need to grow yourself into it or, or grow it into fruit from the, from the seed. And we need to continue to keep ourselves in this justification so we not lose righteousness. Studying the question, for what reasons is the fruit of righteousness? Now we're talking about the leprosy, the, the plague uh, on the clothing. Is the fruit, uh, For what reasons is the fruit of righteousness, which we have grown from the seed of justification, is able to be plagued with the leprosy of sin? First, it was our, 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 our body here. We're talking about our garments, our clothing. When a person performs the works of righteousness, we uh, can have a plague of leprosy. And in what way do we need to utilize the truth consisting in the blood of the cross of Christ to be healed from this kind of leprosy? We came to the conclusion that the fruit of righteousness grown by us from the received by a seed of justification is able to end up leprous with sin when we are filled with judgment uh, that's due the wicked. Job 36, 16, 17. Indeed, he would have brought you out of dire distress into a broad place where there is no restraint, and what is set on your table would be full of richness, but you are filled with judgment do the wicked. Judgment and justice take hold of you. Job 36, 16, 17. First, to be healed from such a nature of leprosy, it is necessary for us to first judge only those things which are within the boundaries of our responsibility, and second, execute written judgment of those things that are under our responsibility, consisting in the words of God coming from the mouth of God, which are imprinted upon the pages of the Holy Scriptures, as well as with, within our heart. And so this is how we are able to see this leprosy or how it can come about and how we can uh, be rid of it. It's simple. We need to uh, continue to be or remain within the boundaries of our responsibility. When someone begins to do some kind of good work, to pray, to fast, to do some kind of work for God, he thinks that he is not being as valued within the service as maybe he thinks. And... 
by doing so, he begins to uh, cross over into territory that's not his, and that's dangerous. A sign when this uh, leprosy begins to form or appear is when we are not within the boundaries of our own responsibilities. And And so this doesn't mean that it just opens uh, you up even being within the boundaries of your responsibility that you can still do whatever you please. We need to behave in accordance to the Holy Scriptures. When we do everything within the boundaries of our, our responsibility, we still do it according to Scripture and that way this uh, leprosy will not appear upon our garments, our clothing. Studying the question, for what reasons can our partaking to the body of Christ or being a member to the body of Christ become plagued by the leprosy of sin? This is uh, leprosy being on our house. And what do we need to do from our side so we can be healed from such a nature of leprosy? Our partaking to the body of Christ, called to be our home, can end up plagued with the leprosy of sin if we, after finding the virtuous wife, will not possess the ability, if we find the virtuous wife, the Church of Christ, we will not possess the ability to correspond to the demands of her virtue until we condemn our carnal state in the form of our spiritual infancy. In other words, for carnal people to enter through the narrow gate and entering in the narrow gate or through the narrow gate into it and remaining a a spiritual child or infant not growing spiritually uh, means that this is uh, an atmosphere for for leprosy where we continuously are stumbling in the spiritual infancy we are continuously are stumbling being attracted by various winds of doctrine these various other doctrines or teachings coming from false apostles and false prophets whom we have elected by the method of abominable democratic majority by the cunning craftiness of deception what specifically do we need to do from our side to be healed and cleansed from this form of leprosy the answer is simple to be healed and cleansed from this nature of leprosy consisting in a leprosy that has plagued our partaking of our membership to the body of Christ or to the virtuous wife it is necessary necessary to pay the price for the ability to be in accordance to the requirements of the virtuous wife. And so, every one of us is a house of God, and when we gather together, we are the house of God, God's temple. And the scriptures say that, so that leprosy not appear upon our house, it is necessary to pay the price for the ability to correspond to the requirements, be in accordance to the requirements of of the virtuous wife. Looking at the 16 virtues which the virtuous wife has, her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain since she does him good and not evil all the days of her life that are purposed for her by God. Therefore she, let us list, let's go through these 16 virtues she has. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maid servants. 
she considers this virtuous wife, she considers a field and buys it. From her profits, she plants a vineyard. She girds, sixth, she girds herself with strength. And she strengthens her arms. Seventh, she perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. Eighth, she stretches out her hand and to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle. Ninth, she extends her hands to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. Tenth, she is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet, double garments. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Twelfth, she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. Thirteenth, strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. Fourteen, she opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. Fifteen, she watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. And sixteen, her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Proverbs 31, 10 through 31. Sixteen virtues that the virtuous wife has. All of these virtues, by the signs of which we need to examine ourselves, that we have cleansed ourselves of the leprosy of sin by applying the blood of the sacrifice upon the bronze horns of the bronze altar, are elements of the fruit of righteousness grown by us in the Eden of our heart, which are diluted one with the other, have an incredible balance with one the other, and identify the truthfulness of one the other. Considering that our relationship with Christ in the form of our groom is called to be built through our legitimate relationship with the virtuous wife, which possesses the status of, of his wife, who is in the form of his apostles to whom he had passed on the mandate of his authority to forgive sins and to retain sins, our partaking to the body of Christ is able to be cleansed from leprosy by our right attitude toward the person whom God has sent to represent his fathership to our churches. John 20, 21 through 23. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you, if you receive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you forgive the sins, they are forgiven. If, the, if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. And to possess the virtue of the virtuous wife, which represents the cl cleansing of all three aspects, the leprosy of our body, the leprosy of our clothing, and the leprosy of our partaking to the body of Christ, it is necessary for us to identify the virtues she possesses. We need to identify these <clears throat> virtues she possesses. Otherwise, we will not know what to pay a price for so that we can cleanse ourselves from the leprosy of these three areas and what conditions this price entails. Considering that we are studying all of these virtues within the temple of our body, when we are looking at the husband of the virtuous wife, this is our new person who represents the interests of Christ in the form of our husband within the temple of our body. The virtuous wife herself is our soul. Today we will be looking at our soul, which we have lost in the death of our Lord Jesus <clears throat> when we died through the law for the law and then reobtained our soul in the resurrection of Jesus Christ in a new form where she became able not to try to fulfill the role of our new person. Virtue or good works 
are the fruits of our spirit, produced by the tree of life, within the twelve months of the holy year, which we have grown in the Eden of our good heart, by our collaboration with the truth of the word of God, concealed within our good heart, and with the Holy Spirit revealing the significance of the true word concealed in our heart. As it is written, for we are his workmanship created in Jesus Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ephesians 2.10 Therefore, if our good works are not the fruit of our spirit, grown by us in the Eden of our heart, then these are just typical works of the flesh, for which wrath is coming upon the sons of resistance, considering the fact that good or virtuous works is our purpose, which is elevated in rank of our calling. We conclude that virtuous works are 16 components consisting in three primary requirements, identifying our first most or primary purpose as well as our first most calling. First, casting off of our old man with his deeds. It is renewing our mind with the spirit of our mind. And third, clothing our body into the new person. And so, by fulfilling these three, we will be able to demonstrate these 16 characteristics, virtues of the virtuous wife, have them within us. And let us now look at some of these characteristics. We'll look at eight of them today. We will be able to determine whether our houses have this leprosy. And so being in this virtuous wife, uh, that's being in this house. First quality of a virtuous wife consists in her seeking wool and flax and willingly working with her hands. Wool and flax is material from which garments were made for the kings and priests. To get wool from the sheep, it is necessary to shear the sheep with your own hands, which upon practice means to die for your corrupt thoughts and desires. The symbol of the wool growing from the body of a sheep are the works of the flesh with which a person is trying to gain God's favor. At the same time, wool that is sheared off of the sheep is a symbol of us carrying the dying of the Lord Jesus within our body. 2 Corinthians 4.10 Always carrying about in the body the dying of our Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Therefore, the symbol of handmade clothing of wool which was worn by the priests on top of the linen layer, serving for them as a symbol of the fruit of righteousness, symbolizes a righteous person who performs righteousness. As it is written, he who is righteous, let him be righteous still, and he who is holy, let him be holy still. Revelations 22.11 And to derive linen, we talked about wool, which she derives with her own hands, she shears the sheep, and to derive linen planted with your hands using the seed of flax, which is the received seed of the word of the kingdom of heaven into your heart. For it to die, it is necessary by the means of baptism to submerge yourself into the death of our Lord Jesus, die through the law for the law. The symbol of handmade clothing of linen, which cleanses us, our cleanses our justification from leprosy, is our justification received by us in Jesus Christ by the gift of the grace of God. 
Because of the received by us justification in the blood of the cross of Christ, we can count ourselves dead to sin and living for God, proclaiming the not-existent stronghold of incorruptibility as existent. Specifically clothing yourself into such garments, this wool and linen, we as God's priests are called to enter into the holy place and sprinkle the blood of the sacrifice, that was shed upon the bronze altar of burnt offering, the curtain of the temple and the horns of the golden altar to cleanse the produced by its fruit of righteousness from leprosy. This is what it means to, uh, she derives this wool and, and linen. We see justification and we receive it in the form of a seed. This was the, the linen and the wool that was the outer garment that means that the seed has been turned into profit and we are now pres- uh, demonstrating God's righteousness. <clears throat> and this can be done specifically by a priest, king, and prophet. For simple Israelites, they can make their uh, clothing from different, uh, different things. A simple Israelite uh, didn't wear just uh, uh, linen or wool uh, one layer with the other that was only for the priests why because we see here two uh, forms of, of, of depths as it were this linen and wool and why you could not mix uh, the t- simple people of the of the nation were not able to mix uh, wool and linen together that they never also plant in their field two forms of seed or two nature of seed. A priest needed to have both the oxen and both the donkey. Uh, they were able to bring, but the simple simple Israelite couldn't do this. And why? Because uh, this... And so the reason for these uh, things is because you are not to look at these things separately. Uh, These weren't just simple uh, forms of truth. A king and a priest are not separate uh, forms of truth. They are uh, linked. And these, uh, these these things were symbolic for that. And so, wool and linen were present in the tabernacle. The ephod of the high priest, he was girded also with uh, purple and blue uh, wool, and also linen was utilized also in other parts. And so, you can't look at these two forms of truth uh, separately. One came with the other, and so... Again, the Israelite people were not able to wear these two but uh, together, but the priests were able to because they were to be looked at together. These two forms of truth were to be looked at together. Resurrection is the result of death. But when people separate the blood from the cross, death from resurrection, then the scriptures say you cannot wear garments uh mixed uh, of of wool and 
linen. But only kings and priests could because they were able to differentiate these two. And they knew that death led to resurrection. Second quality of a virtuous wife consists in her being like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. Merchants are people who were involved in trade or sales, who built ships for transporting purchased by them product from far countries. The turnaround or proceed from sales was their food. Therefore, the symbol of food, which was a result of the transaction of the invested by a silver, is the price which we have paid for the received revelation of the Holy Spirit called to reveal <clears throat> to us the significance of the truth concealed within our heart. Therefore, trade is the principle by which we are able to obtain spiritual food consisting in the bread of life for which we pay a price consisting in two things. First, being a member of your church and second, for the bread of life, for food, we pay a price of being a member of the church and second, honoring God with your tithes and offerings within this church. Such a person, he as these merchant ships is able to get food from afar. He is a member of the Church of Saints and he honors God with his tithes and offerings. Hebrews 10, 25 through 27. For not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as it is the manner of some, but extorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation, which will devour the adversaries. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first, first fruits of your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Proverbs 3, 9 to 10. <clears throat> <clears throat> and so we see how we are able as these merchant ships to be able to bring our food or drive our food we are a member of the virtuous wife and we bring our tithes into this uh, into this virtuous wife in this church <clears throat> And this symbolizes also the confessions with our mouth. And by confessing, we're able to get food from afar. We can uh, pass over from uh, the service of, as the merchant ships that brings food from afar, uh, some of the revelations we hear, we understand them, we confess them, but they're still afar. At, there are some, and <clears throat> we as the virtuous wife, need to from afar get this bread the service of justification it is far it is very far and we need to come uh, come uh, pass over come over from the service of condemnation to the service of justification die for our nation the house of our father and for our corrupt desires and this is the process of our entire life which is why in the service of justification this is a bread that is still far but the virtuous wife, and because she is a virtuous wife, uh, <clears throat> and because the virtuous wife is our soul, we're studying our soul, her husband, he is the spirit, the virtuous wife is not just the church, but our soul also. And 
and on if if we are carnal men, we are all uh, plagued with leprosy. And we were all born into that. We were all born uh, with this leprosy. If we are carnal men, or when we're carnal men, then we have leprosy. And to leave spiritual infancy is to differentiate uh, and uh, and to determine the requirements, uh, the conditions of being a virtuous wife, these virtues that she has. And so these promises, they are afar, and they require a price, and the price is your, enti- your, full, your entire life. And so you can then... Uh, get this food from afar for yourself third quality of a virtuous wife consists in her rising while it is yet night and providing food for her household and a portion for for her maid servants the symbol of the night is our life within the limits of time because when we cross the river of time then on the other side of the river which is eternity there will not be night the symbol of our household and our maid servants living within our body within the limits of time is the fruit of our spirit consisting in our godly thoughts and desires therefore food for godly thought therefore food for godly thoughts and desires is prayer that is in both tongues and in your original language containing imperishable promises concealed in our heart in the format of the faith of god that when confessed we provide food for our household and a portion for maid servants first corinthians 14 14:15 For if I pray in a tongue my spirit prays but my understanding is unfruitful what is the conclusion then I will pray with the spirit and I will also pray with the understanding I will sing with the spirit and I will also sing with the understanding And so these maid servants she rises early uh, the virtuous wife and gives uh, uh, food and she gives portion to her maid servants Our virtuous wife is our soul. Our soul, it turns out, it participates in the fruit of our spirit, not just our spirit paying a price and trying to produce something in itself. Our soul participates in this so that our spirit can produce fruit. Without our soul, we will not be able to produce fruit. And here, the virtuous wife or our soul helps. And how does she help? She helps in the next way the fruit we will not be able to bring or produce if the revelation I receive from the apostle and put in my heart if I keep it there and do nothing else and so you say can you do something at least something in the house take these uh, this information meditate and confess these this truth give them work these maid servants if you remember the the parable about the uh, the master of the household, uh, he went on a trip and he left uh, overseers in his house, a good master, and and he left overseers so they get food in their time. And if, in the scriptures say when he finds this uh, overseer doing this, who will give food will. Uh, confess the word will pray in tongues uh, uh, and is doing the proper work this was a a parable 
And so our maidservants, uh, we need to, our soul and our body uh, participate in that. And so praying in tongues, our, our soul and body is also participating in, in a sense. And so, and so if you remember in the situation, if the master doesn't appear, I will, instead of being a, a good and virtuous overseer, I will uh, abuse them instead or beat them and be cruel to them. And when the master of the house comes, he will throw out this unfaithful servant from the house, the overseer. And so for this not to happen with our soul, our soul needs to be uh, this wise overseer of the house. Fourth quality of a virtuous wife consists in her considering a field and buying it. Matthew 13:44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. The field is our body. The treasure hidden in the, our field are the oath promises of God, given for our body, which belongs to the door of our hope, consisting in its adoption by the redemption of Christ. The salvation of our body is the calling of our saved soul. A very beautiful way of putting it. The salvation of our body is the calling of not just our spirit, but our saved soul. What saved soul? That we have lost in the death of our Lord Jesus Christ and reobtained in a new form in His resurrection, which is why our soul became a rod of God with which we are to collaborate with the name of God, Horn. She considers a field and purchases it. And so, to accept this promise belonging to the door of our hope, our soul is participates in that as well. And without it, without her, we will not be able to uh, obtain this great promise for our body. Because the spirit does not have direct access to the body. The soul is very unique. It connects with the body and connects with the spirit. The spirit wants to adopt the body. And the soul uh, needs to then, is it, do we cons- do we give preference to the spirit or works of the flesh? And so then the spirit through the soul saves the body. And so the spirit makes sure that the soul becomes this virtuous wife. Fifth quality of a virtuous wife consists in her planting a vineyard from her prophets. To plant a vineyard with your own hands in the soil of our good heart indicates growth, the ability to be filled with the Holy Spirit or be led by the Holy Spirit. Hosea 14, 6 through 8. His branches shall spread, his beauty shall be like an olive tree, and his fragrance like Lebanon. Those who dwell under his shadow shall return, they shall be revived like grain, and grow like a vine, their scent shall be like the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim shall say, What have I to do any any more with idols? I have heard and observed him. I am like a green cypress tree. Ephesians 5, 18, 19. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalm and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. 
Also, Romans 8.14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And so she plants her vineyards from her own prophets. A person is led by the Holy Spirit. We need to understand what it means to be led by the Holy Spirit. To be led by the Holy Spirit is not possible without being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so in the uh, Pentecostal churches, often this is perceived or thought of as someone who's who is being filled with the Holy Spirit, someone who starting, starts talking very loudly and doing specific things, uh, and they would call them vessels of the Lord. This is not what that is. Being, being filled with the Holy Spirit, and so to be led by the Holy Spirit is to walk before the Lord. If you remember, here is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was upright in his generation. He walked before God. And so he was led by the Holy Spirit. Enoch bore Methuselah, and after the birth of Methuselah, he began to walk before the Lord, before God. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit, is to walk before God. And not just to run to some kind of supernatural manipulations that our brother in Pentecostal churches uh, often like to do. Sixth quality of a virtuous wife consists in her girding herself with strength and strengthening her arms. It is referring to the girding of the loins of your mind with the strength of the truth which is concealed in your heart by confessing them with our gentle or meek mouth. The verb gird means to discipline your mind so that it, it abides in the fear of the Lord. To strengthen the arms of your spiritual person means to meditate about the law of the Most High and to pray in tongues. And so again, it's speaking in tongues, it's, it's referring to that, that the soul is definitely involved in that as well. First Peter 1 Peter 1.13-16 Therefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, as obedient children, not conforming yourself to the former lust, as, as in your ignorance, but as he who calls you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. 1 Peter 1, 13-16 And so girding uh, the loins of her mind and strengthening her arms. There's a, a very interesting uh, symbol or an example that God gives in the hippopotamus of the animal hippopotamus. Uh, the body of this animal, all of its muscles are uh, crossed with one the other. They are in link with one the other. And the strength and power symbolize, uh, there's a symbol in this animal also uh, that God shows. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he, Proverbs 23, 7. We're talking about the soul right now. The soul seventh quality of a virtuous wife consists in that fact that she perceives that her merchandise is good 
and her lamp does not go out by night. Show me a person that when a darkness or night covers them that they will feel good in that time. Perceiving that her merchandise is good or our merchandise is good means to be nourished by curds and honey, so you may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. Curds and honey he shall eat, that they may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. Isaiah 7.15 How do you know that your merchandise is good? Merchandise is your works, because we hear the word. Because virtue brings forth knowledge, knowledge, self-control, control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, love. And so the work that we do, it is good because we have uh, choosing virtue as that is becoming part of the virtuous wife and then we get knowledge. And so we know what is good and what is evil. And when I choose the good and reject the evil, then you know that your then deed or your merchandise in this case is good. Our lamp, her lamp, or in our in this case we could say our lamp, which is our born from God's spirit, not going out by night, means that we are abiding in the first love when it comes to God. Revelations 2, 3 through 5, and you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the good works, the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. The first love for God is the state of our heart focused more on listening to the preached word than offering sacrifices. As it is written, as we see it always posted, Ecclesiastes 5.1, Walk prudently when you go to the house of God, and draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they do evil. And the first love, as we know, this is our proper relationship, uh, uh, and also the priority is when we're uh, looking at the healer and the healing, the difference between, because when we're focusing on the healing, then we're losing our first love. We need to be focused on the healer. How is it, uh, uh, as, as Christians, when we just start, or places we came from even, from other churches or uh, from different uh, denominations, we understood all things somewhat uh, the same. And when we looked at first love, often they would say that first love, they uh, would think to ignite the people or, or fire them up a little bit by t uh, using these uh, these words. And they would say, you need to go back to your first love, to the first emotions. And so they compared emotions uh, uh, with, the, with the first love. And so somehow they compared these, and it's not in accordance to Scripture. It doesn't mean to go back to your first feelings. The first love is you can't exchange priorities in your service and your relationship with God. That first, it is the healer, and secondary is the healing. How do you exchange these two? How do you, how do you replace the two or, or, or trade them? 
you tell Lord, the Lord, heal me now. The Lord says, don't tell me when I'm supposed to heal you or how. Or when we're in, when we are in a difficult situation, being holy or saints, we can't say, Lord, for what? We need to say, Lord, what do you want to say to me? As pastor teaches us, when we're in specific circumstances, never say a state unbelief. Don't say, Lord, for what is this? This is not unbelief. Don't, don't. Because the Lord will say, well, you think I did this to you? The pastor teaches us you can't state the wrong things. Don't say for what. If you know you're righteous and holy and you're experiencing suffering, you don't say for what. You say, Lord, what do you want to show me here? When saints are experiencing specific suffering, you say, Lord, what do you want to tell me? And not tell one another, for what is this that you're telling your sister? For what is it that you're suffering? Lord, the Lord may want to show her something, um, teach her something, or show her something. There's a great promise for our body that waits. And to take from this account where the promise lies, it's not easy to do. As we heard on Sunday, the Apostle teaches us that the land of Israel needed to uh, enjoy its feasts, its Sabbaths for 70 years. Why? So that the Lord would allow the walls of Jerusalem to be erected in the, in the place of the stronghold of death. And so you ask, Lord, what do you want to teach me when, when something happens to you in your life? Eighth, quality of a virtuous wife consists in her stretching out her hands to the distaff and her hand takes hold of the spindle. The symbol of the hands that are stretched out to the distaff and hands which hold, which hold the spindle is the process of spinning wool yarn derived from the wool sheared from your sheep, which is fulfilling the command this is fulfilling the command to count yourself dead to sin, living for God, proclaiming the not-existent stronghold of incorruption in your body as existent, providing, therefore, uh, God with legitimate grounds or foundation to erect the stronghold of incorruption in our body and clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ in the form of our new person. This is what it means to stretch out to the distaff and hands which hold the spindle. She, uh, using this wool, she begins to create something. She counts herself dead to sin, living for God, and proclaiming the not-existent stronghold of incorruption in your body as existent. Romans 10, 8 through 10. But what, does the, what do the scriptures say? What does it say? The word is near to you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so these words, what does it mean that she What does it mean that she uh, stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle? We are going to now pray and thank the Lord for the word that we were able to hear today. May you be blessed in your prayer.
Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to you that today we can be upon this place, this holy place, where you have placed your mark, your holy mark, where the throne of your word is and where the Holy Spirit is as Master and as Lord. We thank you, Father, that you have allowed us to be in this church, enter through the narrow gate, and to become an organic member of the virtuous wife. And you today have offered to us a revelation from our pastor, our anointed one, the anointed of God, the man of God, the person whom you have placed to represent your might and your power, the power of your word. We heard today how we need to, using our soul, make ourselves, through our soul, make ourselves worthy of the calling that you have called us to. And so allow us today that our election be in accordance to our calling. Everything that we do every day, that it we that they it demonstrate before your holy face our election that we have made so that we correspond to that the status of the virtuous wife the church where you've allowed us to come and become a member of we thank you we thank you we thank you that you're able to hear us from your holy place, your holy temple. We pray to you and we, you live, Lord, the Lord lives. You stand against all of our enemies, enemies that rise against our soul. And may the Lord protect us from all of our enemies. May the Lord hear us from his Zion and may he send help. The name of the God of Jacob, the horn of salvation, we pray, Lord, and we lift you up as the God, the horn of our salvation, and we ask that you utilize the might and strength that is within you, within your anointed word, and in the Holy Spirit, which is in the blood of the Lamb, with which we sprinkle to cleanse our conscience first from dead works, and then keep our justification keep herself up uh, as part of the virtuous wife, keep us from this leprosy. We thank you that you keep us from all form of leprosy and you don't allow that this leprosy uh, strike us and plague us. We're not just satisfied uh, with phrases, but we are only satisfied with uh, a physical membership and partaking uh, to be in accordance to fulfill the statutes, instructions that you give us uh, from by your apostle, your your prophet Arkadi, you have placed your anointed one, and you uh, speak from your holy heavens. We trust only in your name. We we trust in your holy name, and we lo- be due to your love. We lift up our banners. We rejoice over the over the enemy. We thank you for your, for the resurrection of Christ that today is within our spirit. We thank you for the resurrection of the life of Christ that has renewed our mind with the spirit of our mind and we pray that this resurrection of Christ would spread 
upon and expand on, uh, upon our soul, our virtuous wife, so that this salvation would be able to expand and overtake also our soul and body. And so the fruit of our spirit and our husband, our sacred person, is content with our soul. And you put this responsibility on our soul, and our soul is reobtained when we in the death of our Lord Jesus have made the decision to die for our nation, the house of our Father, and for our destructive desires, so that we can, so that our soul would be able to obtain the status of the virtuous wife and would begin the process of the adoption and the confirmation and the root rooting of the resurrection of Christ for our bodies. We thank you, Lord, for this. We thank you for the word that we heard today that your anointed of God, the anointed of God, your anointed man has passed on to us. We pray that you continue to fill him with your godly revelations and we will accept this word. We will study this word. We will meditate we will gird ourselves with this word. We will confess with a gentle and meek mouth the words that you have given to us. We wait, Lord, for the hour and that minute when you will continue to teach us uh, from the person that you have made your lips within the body. And so, Lord, we thank you that he is the work of your hands and that he is within your godly hands. We will never dare to tell you, Lord, the methods or time or any kind of anything that we acknowledge that you are God, you are the God who is a healer, you are the one who restores, and we acknowledge that you have the power and might of your horn that destroys and roots out. And so we thank you. We pray that in your body, within the body of your people, may all weaknesses, illnesses, any spiritual uh, diseases, depression, error, all of this, Lord, may it be uprooted, destroyed. We utilizing your horn, your might and strength with which we are strengthened, that all of our enemies in the form of our old man and those powers that support the old man, that they be today eliminated from your from before your face I prayed that you show a sign a sign of the uh, resurrection of of the erection of the resurrection of Christ in our body the life of Christ we thank you that we today proclaim that we proclaim the not existent as existent that death doesn't no longer has a sting and death no longer has victory because death has been swallowed up by the victory of Christ and we thank you and we swallow by our confessions we swallow ourselves and the saints with the victory of Christ may the victory of Christ overtake your nation the body of your saints may allow us to confirm this covenant that you have made and have revealed to us and have made with us at the door of our hope and for the sake of this we are ready to purchase this entire field where you have hidden this treasure and for the sake of this we pay a great price the price of our entire life so that we can receive this treasure together with the field so we can receive this treasure together with our body 
which you are ready to adopt at the time that you decide. We worship before your might and before your strength, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us finish with our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. <laughs> 